A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. On episode 46 of Confessions of a Marketer, marketing is still broken. That's right, we're back with Tim Burke of Affinio to continue our chat about marketing. We will get to that in just a moment. Coming soon, we'll talk growth hacking, in-house creative management, the intersection of technology and marketing, We'll dig a bit more into product marketing, and I'm excited to share that we're going to be talking with John Chang of IBM Watson Marketing about the 2019 Marketing Trends Report over a couple of episodes coming up in March. Can't wait for that. Also, we're planning to chat with Beth Monahan of Inkhouse about fear and the future of PR, a packed schedule over the next few months, so stay tuned. Also, head over to theinnovationpodcast.co to tune in to my other podcast with investor Garnett Harriman. Back to Tim Burke. Last time, Tim and I discussed his thoughts about marketing being broken. It's a massive disruption that's underway, and it's leaving few parts of our business untouched. There's consolidation happening everywhere. He sees a lot of pressure for media agencies as enterprises take over that task as part of the in-housing trend. So to start part two of our chat, I asked him why enterprises, drowning in data, think they can take on that task. Plus, we look ahead into the rest of 2019. Let's get to it. You and I both know that in-housing is a massive trend. I would say the other ones that are obviously top of mind for every CMO and, and global enterprise right now is around transparency, right? Mm -hmm. um, where is my yeah. content being placed? How is it being placed? Things like brand safety are top of mind, even within the context of sort of where is my ad spend most efficient and how is it getting allocated? And I think those concerns are obviously helping drive the in-housing uh, behavior, where for many enterprises, there's not only a, you know, a perceived efficiency economically by in-housing and sort of doing a lot of the work themselves. I think taking pure control, right? It's a control factor that we want to be able to know where this media is being placed. We want to be able to have uh, visibility and transparency into the into that um, level of granularity for our own safety and our own brand safety. Um, so I think, those, I think those sort of natural trends and pressures in the ecosystem are, are key and strategic. That, you know, on top of that, you look at the concerns around privacy and PII and organizations at the root of that recognize that ultimately they they are the ones responsible for that privacy of the data that they own, which basically sort of reinforces the need or the desire to basically bring some of this in-house. I personally think that you know, one of the biggest shifts that is yet to come, and I would say the in-housing trend is 
you know, heavily slanted toward the media buying layer, activation layer within the realm of what, you know, many of these organizations are choosing to bring in-house right now. I firmly believe in our fundamental thesis actually comes down to the fact that these enterprises, most importantly, beyond sort of the efficiency and transparency that comes within housing on the media buy side, have to ultimately own their own strategy. Yeah. And, and I think that is the significant disruption in the marketplace, but I also don't see agencies going away. I see their role transforming in sort of this new world, uh, you know, new world order that's sort of come to light over the last 10 years. And within the, the framework of that, I think agencies become super valuable in, in what they do very, very well. The campaign, the content, the creative, no question, there's going to be always a need for, you know, super bright people to do fabulous creative work. But I think the management and ownership of the pure front-end strategy, which persona, what white space, what's the target, what's the opportunity as a business, from my perspective, has to and will become owned by the enterprise because they themselves are starting to wake up to the fact that if they don't own that, they're going to lose competitive advantage. I look at some of the most disruptive global companies in the world, and you and I both know that they're the ones that are doing the data-driven marketing, hyper-performance-driven hyper-targeted in nailing their personas, you know, in-house based on sort of the data that they're collecting. But I see the, the agencies being sort of a collaborative partner in that. And I, I think the transformation that we're going to see over the next few years is before, obviously, the agencies did a lot of that strategy level work. They did a lot of that research work. They would, you know, through panels, focus groups, et cetera, have sort of presented their findings to the enterprise and the enterprises has sort of bought or not bought the, the strategy presented to them based on their agency. Where we see the sort of market trend going is not necessarily in housing the activity of those agencies, but being collaborative and being strategic together, right? And I think that's what's yeah. key and, and, and a, a key trend that's going to emerge over the next few years is enterprises becoming wiser based on their own enabled ability to basically understand and analyze and leverage their first party and data at the core. And then working essentially strategically with their counterparts. And I think when I look at the other interesting trend over, you know, the last couple of years, and I'm sure you've seen it as well, you see sort of consultants formally who would have, you know, the sort of the Accentures, the Deloitte's, Capgem, KPMG's, these organizations that have traditionally always worked strategically as partners with a lot of these enterprises naturally sort of coming into the digital space, the digital transformation space, and continue to grow and continue to gain market share within the scope of sort of this strategy level work. And uh, in doing so, I think the emerging trend is that agencies, you know, and traditional agencies have to mimic a lot of that practice where it can't be, you know, I don't think it's going to be just always the pitch of an idea that gets accepted or denied, it will be a collaboration between these enterprises and the agencies that's going to have to shift and have to happen for the two of them to be working together such that the strategy is something that is derived by both parties collaboratively. Yeah, that's interesting. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. So what do you advise enterprises looking at this landscape? What do you advise that they should do in the short and long term? How, how do they handle this transition? Um, it's one thing to see something happening in the marketplace. It's another thing to actually manage it effectively. Completely agree. And I would say that, you know, we're, what we're seeing is a trend for obviously digital transformation is another massive buzzword, but is a reality. 
I would say that enterprises are making many sort of lean forward enterprises are making really strategic decisions at this stage of data ownership and starting to move into models where obviously they're creating their own data lakes, aggregating, owning, and deliberately sort of storing a lot of their first party data that traditionally they probably never saw as nearly strategic in value as they do now. So I say that shift we're going to continue to see. You and I both see it sort of on an ongoing basis. It's a, you know, it continues to be the sort of the emergence of both digital transformation opportunities as well as the cloud business as a whole continues to expand across, you know, all the cloud players as massive opportunities for these enterprises who are now standing up their own data lakes and securing that yeah. data from a privacy perspective. But I would say that the key is, is and, and this is the best quote I've heard recently, is somebody said, everybody, all these enterprises are building, um, Building data lakes, nobody's built the boat, right? And that—that that <laughs> yeah. is, or even a life raft, something. or a life raft, or or something, any a format life preserver, to, yeah. exactly any format yeah. to actually sort of you know move amongst or across or through this world of data. And I think that's when when we speak about sort of the promise of AI, the buzzword of machine learning, all these things that I think are you know, naturally sort of overused, but under executed uh, within these organizations, I think that's sort of the next realm. I think that, and and we see it sort of firsthand where these organizations prior to the digital transformation stage, it was a lack of first party data, right? It was a lack of, we don't have enough data on our customers. We don't, you know, we're not collecting enough. I would say that time has transitioned into the reverse, which is now the challenge is I've got too much. I don't know how to yeah. uh, how to make sense of it. I don't know how to leverage it. I don't know how to use it strategically. And, but at the same time, that is the foundation and the best foundation for any machine learning technology is, is at the core of vast amounts of data, right? It's, it's the foundation from which you can actually start building really strategic outputs and models that ultimately can lead to better decision making. And to me, that's sort of the framework of where we are. I think it's starting to hit it you know, a tipping point that organizations, like I said, who jumped quickly at the you know, digital transformation, those who have already been, you know, over the years collecting data, find themselves in a position where, da- you know, more data does not equal more strategy or more decisions, right? right? More data properly used with the technology stacks that are emerging with within sort of machine learning and AI enable these organizations to ultimately make better decisions. And those that are Advancing toward that framework uh, and that frame of mind, I think, are going to be the ones that are 10, 20, 30, 40 years out are the ones that, you know, continue to strive and the others that may have either parked by not sort of switching into a collection and ownership of their own data, nor sort of uh, exploiting the data that they've collected for years are going to be left behind. Yeah. And part of the problem is that all of these terms, cloud, digital, AI, machine learning, kind of get blended together and some people think they're all the same thing. Yeah. So the already these buzzwords that have distinct meanings end up losing their meaning. So when you talk about AI and machine learning, people hear cloud, you know, and and yep. on the Super Bowl, AWS was doing a lot of advertising and they were saying, you know, this data brought to you by AWS. Right. Well, is that what they do? You know, it just their, <laughs> right. their, their marketing actually is kind of confusing. Right. So, right. so uh, it, it's it, it's almost we're at a point, uh, you know, an inflection point, as you said, but we're at a point where we need to kind of 
step back and actually define what's happening, I think. Completely agree. And I would say that it's, I think the other massive shift that, that you see in the marketplace too is this, is this shift of a marketing, you know, CMO role Mm. Um, organizations heavily relying on the CMO to be technically savvy, right? And right, to be right. able to make some of these calls and be able to decipher, you know, one solution over another, one cloud service over another, one model over another. That in itself is just a massive shift in, in, in a massive disruption, right? This has yeah. traditionally been sort of more creative and messaging role to somebody who organizationally has to start being able to make it tangible, right? And I think that's exactly where we find ourselves is, as we all know, the application of machine learning AI has sort of no limitations, right? But as a result of which, for the marketers and advertisers of the world, it also becomes this nebulous concept that nobody can really tangibly put their finger on. But at the same time, I, I would say that what we're seeing emerge are these repeatable processes and repeatable opportunities, right? At the core of resolving what I would consider sort of the most fundamental and basic needs of the marketer, like data-driven personas, like optimization against targeting, like efficiency prediction of content performance in advance of advertising. I mean, those are applications that when repeated enough times within the organizations become very, very tangible and become something very meaningful for an organization as a whole. But I would absolutely agree with you that the lack of that level of sort of presentation of key functions of those technologies leaves a lot of people sort of scratching their heads saying, like, what does this do, right? And how does it work? <laughs> and, and and how do I best apply it? And I would say that we're just starting to see it, but I would say it's early days again, because many of the organizations that I would say tout doing AI and doing ML, many of them are service providers, right? Many of them are building custom models. It's not repeatable. And as a result, you may get your quick wins on single sort of one-off projects. But again, for organizations to really reap the benefits of this, I think the application and applying it internally in a formula that's repeatable is the missing link to all this. And once you get that, the sort of concept that is intangible becomes very tangible when organizations start to realize that, you know, analyzing billions of data points inside my data set that we own suddenly is unlocking net new white space that, you know, is tangible in a persona that we can now activate on and build an entire campaign on. And oh, by the way, we now generate X millions more next year because we took advantage of that and identified it in a format that no human could have ever identified it. And I think that's kind of where we are right now is that sort of this the growth and expansion of these data lakes are sort of restricted in, in the scope of sort of IT ownership. But the reality is that at the fingertips of the marketing and marketing strategists is ultimately where this all has to go. And that has to be in simplified UIs and it has to be in simplified content that can be exploited across the organization, no different than traditional personas, right? That used to sit on a whiteboard that could have the entire C-level team sort of talk about and collaborate on. And I think that's where I see the market going. I think that's the promise of what ultimately big data you know, has always promised. Uh, it's just it's just starting. We're only starting to see it come to fruition in terms of applications that are repeatable in that nature, such that organizations can start to rally around them and ultimately collaborate um, in a format that is not just sort of buried in this massive data lake that nobody really knows what to do with. Well, it's going to be a fascinating couple of years, don't you think? It's going to be an amazing couple of years. It's, uh, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you and I are both seeing it in real time. I would say with, you know, with organizations like my own in this space, it's, 
it's kind of mind bending and mind blowing. Uh, you know, jokingly, we're always sort of waking, you know, every day you're sort of waking up and trying to figure out what's changed because the ecosystem is changing that rapidly. And, right. you know, there's so many massive disruptions that have already occurred, even in terms of the lead players and both from the media side of the house and, you know, organizations, groups like Amazon that go from traditional custom e-com to now one of the biggest advertising platforms in the world. I mean, those shifts are real and they're not going to stop in terms of speeds in those marketplaces. But as a result of which, I think the biggest thing that I see is that for enterprises, it is absolutely going to be a challenge to keep up. But for those that are sort of investing and pre-investing out in front of it with the sort of these technologies that ultimately provide scale for them, those will ultimately be the ones that win out overall. I tell you what, maybe later this year we can have you back and we can get a progress report on how things are going. <laughs> uh, I would love to do that. I mean, I'm sure my story will have shifted by then as well. It's amazing. <laughs> it, it's just, uh, like I said, it's absolutely amazing to watch the, watch the momentum and consolidation in the marketplace as well as sort of the expansion of you know the key players and, and the shifts and dynamics yeah. accordingly is, is super exciting, super exciting times. Well, Tim, thanks for being here today. It was such a great discussion and we'll definitely continue it. Absolutely. My pleasure. And thank you for having me. Thanks to Tim for being here. Next time, we've got Taylor Ryan, CMO of Valuer, all the way from Copenhagen. He's in to talk about growth hacking. So stay tuned. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Reed Edwards Global Inc., and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. You've never tried to eyeball six feet as often as you do now. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, and you've stayed within the walls of your apartment for more hours than you care to add up. But unless you live in a smoke-free building, you're not exactly home free. Secondhand smoke drifting through the cracks in walls or sink drains carries toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. And right now, lung health is key. Go to tobaccofreeca.com to learn how to stay safe.